Hey everybody, welcome to the second annual Yeah But Still Halloween special. I'm your host Jack, I'm taking over this week and we're doing something a little different from our normal programming. Uh, For the last month, I've been interviewing our listeners about paranormal experiences that they've had. Um, What you're listening to right now is a, a small preview of the full episode, which is almost two hours long and it's on our Patreon. So if you like what you hear, um, sign up, uh, patreon.com slash yeah, but still it's, um, like I said, almost two hours long with a lot of stories and, um, I might even be dropping some extra stories later on as bonus content on the Patreon. So we're going to start this one out with a story from Grayson, who's actually the singer of a band called Spooky Mansion. Um, What's interesting about Grayson is that he didn't really meet his dad until he was a full-grown man um, when he was in his 20s. And uh, his dad left on really mysterious circumstances. Um, They finally met in Europe, and um, this is one of the stories that his dad told him uh, once they finally met. So I'm going to let him take it over. My name is Grayson, and um, I guess when I was four years old, my dad moved away. And um, he was kind of like not in the picture a lot, traveling, and and he and my mom didn't get along super well. But uh, it kind of culminated in him going to jail. And then he got out of jail when I was four and uh, just kind of lived on the streets, rough life. And the only contact I have is occasionally he would write my grandparents' letters and um, they would kind of tell me about it. But it wasn't until I was... 21 I think that I was living abroad in France and it sort of occurred to me to like look him up and um, so I went over there and arrived at the train and there was just this big guy that sort of looked like me (laughs) waiting at the train station and uh, I stayed with him for two weeks and and we basically would just stay up in the evenings you know he'd tell me these crazy stories so he told me this story years later when I met him and he grew up sailing all his life with his dad and stuff. And um, he knew a guy down in San Francisco who had a boat. And so he went down there one night and they kind of like shared this slip and used this boat interchangeably. And I guess he had this plan to take it. So one night he like broke into the docks and took this boat, packed it with all the stuff and just started going south down the California coast. And um, not sure how long he went, but he passed Mexico through the Panama Canal and eventually ended up in uh, the Caribbean on this island called Curacao. And um, he stopped there for like five years or so. And um, he uh, got involved, I'm not sure, with some local dude somehow, but uh, they basically ran like this rum smuggling uh, business where they would go down to Venezuela and these guys would make rum in bathtubs and they had these fake Captain Morgan labels and they'd put them on the bottles and uh, they'd sell these fake Captain Morgan bottles. And so he did that for, I don't know, uh, four or five years or something. Eventually one night he decided that uh, he was sick of that place. And uh, in like the middle of the night, took his boat and left kind of without packing up anything or without preparing really. 
And um, he started this trip across the Atlantic, and he had decided to go to England for some reason. He would spend the next month plus just going through the Atlantic Ocean by himself on this uh, a 38-foot sailboat, I think it was. And um, didn't have any plans to stop anywhere, or didn't have anyone with him. And at some point during that whole trip, he um, he was going along and his rudder broke, um, which was, you know, used to steer the boat. And so I think, I think that was kind of the breaking point when, you know, the whole, his whole life kind of came crashing down around him. And he uh, realized that for, you know, through all his crazy choices, he'd found himself in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you know, weeks away from either coast and sort of careening aimlessly with this sail full of wind and no way to steer it. And so the way he told it was, you know, he let down his sail and um, he spent most of the time on his boat naked because the waves would make everything soaking wet. And so all his clothes were heavy and wet. And he realized he was, you know, getting out of food, out of water. And so he would spend his days just trying to, like, pass out and sleep as much as possible. Wake up and was, like, you know, depressed to be awake because he didn't want to deal with his life, I guess. And would, you know, eat what beans he had or whatever and try to, you know, divide up his water so he could have enough and go back to sleep and wake up in this soaking wet bed. And um, I don't know, I just, what made me so interested in that certain aspect is just imagining like a probably, you know, 35 year old guy just like dealing with his own mind in a way that he, one rarely gets to deal with it. And whatever like feelings or thoughts you have late at night, whatever anxieties you have about, you know, who you are and what you're doing with your life. I just imagine that that was so magnified for him. And he was like up against that wall that we just imagined, but he was up against that, that wall that was like, this is the end of my life. This is where my choices have brought me. And so one morning he wakes up, I guess pretty much just assuming he's going to die out there. And he hears a voice on deck. And so he um, goes up there, and at the back of the boat, right over his broken rudder, he sees this apparition, like a spirit or a ghost or something. And he said it was green and sort of small, but he said it was sort of looked like a pan kind of creature, like a ghost, a goat kind of thing. And so that, but he hears his voice and it's coming from this goat and it's talking about whatever this and that. And, uh, he sort of like starts to commune with it over the next couple of days and they talk and, and communicate. And it's like his only source of contact with another thing. And so one morning he's lying on the deck and he starts to really tune into what it's saying. And in kind of this mocking tone, it's going like, you know, ah, you idiot, if only you would think you could, you know, take part of your boat, one of these metal rods, and you could 
rig it up and you can fix this rudder and you could get out of here and you can live. And so the next thing he knows, he's flying across the ocean with a fixed rudder with no memory of actually fixing it. And later what he tells me when he's telling me the story is that when over the course of the next week or two that it takes him to get there, he examines this rudder and it's like he, he has no idea how he even went about fixing it or like the process it would have taken. And like not only does he not remember it, he doesn't even realize how he would have done it. Eventually he made it to England and uh, when he got there he was, you know, hadn't eaten properly or had enough water. And so, and his boat was like in such disarray. He landed on these docks. Long story short, this woman up on the hill was 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 like a rich older woman was watching him down on the dock. She could see from her window, and she eventually sent somebody down, and she kind of helped him to get better and healed him and let him live with her for quite a while. And so, over the next twenty years, he kind of settles into this little town. It's like hearing it as a story, you'd go, oh, that's crazy, you know, wow, interesting. But I think living it for him, because it was so real, it was like, it's the kind of thing that would make you go, like, crazy if you didn't have, like, some kind of explanation to it. And so eventually he finds out that this is actually a phenomenon called the third man syndrome. And um, it was made really famous by this explorer, uh, Ernest Shackleton. There's been a bunch of studies about it, and it's like, it's basically that part of your brain is trying to override like the panic desperation part of your brain and so it goes back to this really like you know primeval part of your brain that's saying like that's that's trying to bring reason and like positivity to a situation that that you know is desperate and so i think it's like to the extreme of when you're like when you're you know when you're depressed or you're under pressure and you say to yourself, you know what? No, like we can do this. It's like that brought to like the nth degree where you actually have like these, you know, manifestations in real life. And you're seeing like, a, you know, in the case of my dad, an apparition that his brain projected in order to guide him through this strange thing. All right. I want to thank Grayson for telling that story. I'm going to give you guys one more sample of this episode um if you like it please go sign up for the patreon um and hear the full episode i was hesitant to post this one but it's really good um and i think it'll give you guys a taste of kind of the perfect the perfect representation of what a yeah but still halloween special is like um because i have a big range of stories on this episode i have paranormal ones i have terrifying ones i have really sad ones and then i have i have ones like this um so i'm not going to give this any more preface uh i'm just going to let this story speak for itself i think you're going to like it and um if you do once again patreon.com slash yeah but still the full feature length episode is up there and also last year's halloween special is up there as well it's episode 82 i think um so I'm going to let him take it from here, and I hope you enjoy. So my name is Sam, um, 27, uh, originally from uh, Pennsylvania. And this is a story that happened um, years ago um, that you know I had almost completely kind of forgot about and or 
know, blocked from my memory. Uh, basically, what had happened was it was 2009. Um, around this time, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 had recently come out, and so we were excited. We had a bunch of guys there. It was, uh, I think, me and seven other people, and uh, we're my friend Jake's house. Where I was from in Pennsylvania, it is out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, a lot of people call this area uh, Pennsylvania because it's like kind of no man's land. Uh, even though he, we went to the same school and everything, he uh, actually lived 45 minutes away. So I had like just become, you know, a licensed driver, um, but drove out in the middle of the woods, like 45 minutes away um, to go hang out and play Call of Duty. So there's a bunch of us there hanging out. Uh, we have, um, you know, there's a couple of people like back on his waterbed, which is kind of a weird aside in its own. And then, you know, a couple people on uh, the floor in those cool little like gamer chairs that rock back and forth. And, um, you know, we're just having a ball. So uh, I think it was probably like later in that night, um, around like 10 or 11. Um, we're in between games, just kind of chatting and uh, Jake starts to tell us this story uh, about his younger brother, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's that's fucking weird, man." I didn't know you had a didn't know you had a brother. And he goes on to tell us, "It's like yes, because his brother ended up dying. Um, his brother had died when he was twelve uh, in an ATV accident. Um, it had like rolled on top of him, and um, ever since then, like a bunch of weird stuff." Uh, would happen around the house. And he had kind of started telling us about this. His dad had a garage um, out back, like kind of secluded back in the woods where uh, his dad and his uh, brother um, would hang out a lot. And um, they had noticed, um, you know, kind of a couple years after this whole thing happened uh, that, you know, kind of weird stuff would happen um, around the house, specifically in, you know, this garage. Like, they would put down, you know, paint for to be able to paint a car and that paint would go missing and then it would show up um, in other places. Um, they would have parts down. They would go missing. They would show up, you know, either in the garage or in different places. And um, one of the times um, stuff had started showing up in uh, the basement. And he goes on to basically tell us that, you know, where his brother's room was, was in the basement. And it was a fully furnished basement, but since then, uh, nobody had really been there. It was just kind of a laundry room. They would use it in the daytime, um, but definitely not go down there at night because just weird stuff would happen, like doors would open and shut, lights would turn on and off. Um, around this time, you know, I kind of noticed that um, people, like friends one at a time were leaving and coming back, and I was just like, oh, that's like weird or whatever. Um, they're probably just going to like take a shit or something. Um, didn't think too much of it. So he goes on to say basically, okay. Um, and anybody who can spend more than 30 minutes down there, um, you know, I bet you can't, we'll give you like 20 bucks if you can spend more than, you know, 30 minutes down there. So everybody takes out what like random, you know, dollar bills they have, put it on the table. And finally there's enough where I'm like, okay, like, I'll fucking do it. You know, I don't believe in ghosts. Um, ghosts aren't real. Like you guys are all just being pussies. This is not like a real thing. Um, so they say, okay, go do it. 
go do it. We have the cash here. We'll, um, if you can spend more than 30 minutes down there, we'll give it to you. So as I was like about to head downstairs, um, one of the guys says to me, he's like, Oh, um, you know, ghosts, um, you know, you'll know that a ghost is there because of, you know, a magnetic field and, you know, compasses, you know, are, you know, basically little magnets. So you'll know that the ghost is there. Um, so I say, okay. And I take the compass from him. Um, and I start walking downstairs. Um, it's totally dark. I couldn't turn on the lights. Um, and they close the door, uh, right behind me. So I walk down the stairs and I have, you know, my, uh, the flashlight on my phone, little, you know, LG chocolate, taking it with me to kind of guide my way. That's all they said you know, that I could take. And um, I go down and I sit on the couch. Uh, at this point, I'm feeling like pretty confident this is going to be, you know, some real easy money that I'm about to make just by hanging out uh, down here for, you know, 30 minutes. So I place the compass uh, in front of me on the, um, on the coffee table. And, you know, I know that, you know, phones can be weird with like magnets and compasses. So I have the phone um, and I'm holding it, you know, far away enough from, you know, this compass that you know, nothing's going on. So I turn off my phone light for you know, just a little bit and, you know, kind of hang out and wait. A couple minutes pass and I'm saying, oh, you know, okay, what's going on? I can't see this compass at all because it's pitch black uh, in this basement. And I take it and I shine it on the coffee table and I see, you know, that the wheel is, you know, kind of slowly starting to spin of the compass. It's, you know, going around and then suddenly it starts to pick up speed and spinning faster and faster and faster. And once it starts really gaining momentum is when, you know, I start panicking and I start really, really freaking out for the first time. Um, and at the point where this thing is just going around and around and around, you know, a hundred times a minute is when I say, you know, I cannot do this anymore. You know, I am freaked the fuck out. You know, this ghost is absolutely real and I'm out of there and I go to run up the stairs and I get to maybe the fourth or fifth step up. All of a sudden I hear this noise that it's, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a TV turning on, but much louder and it goes, Oomp. And the TV, out of nowhere, turns on. And I, I look back and I see the TV. And on the TV is a mother. She's in a, she, you know, she's in a nightgown. She's kind of consoling a, a young boy who's sitting on the couch. And I am absolutely terrified at this point. Because it's all in black and white. You know, this TV show is in black and white. And I had remembered something from a previous time I had been over at his house that, oh, the TVs are all on one channel. If you change a TV from one input to another, you change it from like, you know, you're watching the news or something, you want to go play, you know, Call of Duty, for example, that's going to change the TV downstairs. And I see this and go come bursting up out of the room, absolutely terrified out of my mind and saying, guys, I can't do this. This is absolutely terrifying. And they are like, yeah, we told you there's a, there's a ghost down there. Like this is my brother's ghost who is at the house. And I say, you know, I start trying to rationalize a little bit. I'm saying, 
well, you know, it can't, you know, I bet, I bet you had something on the, on the, you know, TV and they show, show me and nope, it's still the same, you know, they're playing Call of Duty upstairs. It's a completely different thing on downstairs. We try and switch the channels. Uh, they all come down with me. We turn on the lights, um, just because, you know, I'm saying, Hey, we gotta, you know, we gotta prove that this is, um, not real. And sure enough, all of the channels change on the same frequency. Nobody can explain what happened, uh, with, except saying, you know, this was definitely the ghost. And we probably talked about this in, for, you know, another hour or two. And we were, you know, I'm absolutely fully convinced of what I saw. The thing that I learned that I learned a couple days after this sort of, you know, incident happened is that during the time that we were playing Call of Duty and I noticed people leaving one by one, they were actually going to masturbate one by one into a cup that they were going to pour on me. But the thing that happened is they got so distracted. They got absolutely so distracted by this whole ghost thing and see, you know, and me, the skeptic, having this firsthand experience, they in they forgot entirely about this cup of semen that was hidden in uh, Jake's dresser until Jake smelled it a couple days later and pulled it out <laughs> and was like, what the fuck? This is there is a cup of cum in my dresser. Dude, I'm sorry. He <laughs> kept the cum cup. <laughs> so, That's the biggest plot twist I've ever heard. It was just like. But so that now I got to uh, they're going like, to come the on you. I think of, yeah, they were fully going to dump a cup of cum in me. And then I, I also found out because we're talking about this, you know, days later at lunch, that the last person who had to try and masturbate into the cup, it was like it was like on the verge of spilling on him. So it took him like the entire time that I was down there. And by the time I came bursting up, he didn't even get to finish and contribute to it so Wait, so this, he was he was trying to jerk off two floors uh, above while you were getting scared by the ghost yeah the, the last guy while i was getting scared by the ghost they were like okay we're gonna finish the cum cup by you know distracting sam um but it ended up that this ghost is completely real and the ghost ended up saving me from like embarrassment and just everything that went along with it because i was a, like a newer uh, a newer friend to the group at that time. So they were always kind of messing with me. Who's the prank really on at that point? Like, you know, I guess you, you get it on you. You have to like wash your clothes and it's gross. But then again, like <laughs> at the end of the day, that didn't happen. And they're just like seven dudes who all jerked off in a cup together. <laughs> like, so, just, yeah. They're just having a bukkake by themselves. Yeah. Just like jerking off to your own friends. Come <laughs> like looking at it. I presume they're looking at it because you were saying that it was like hard because he was worried about the cup spilling. So, you know, he was looking at that weird mixed, you know, checks mix of cum. That's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I'm a little speechless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, yeah. got, you got saved by the ghost. I got saved by the ghost. I'd like to say on behalf of the podcast, uh, fuck those kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I they mean, probably grew up to be pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, you know, a different group of friends now. To uh, good, put it lightly, <laughs> and they don't, and they hopefully don't come on you. 
Um, yeah, unless, no, unless really. you want them to. <laughs> yeah. 